Takes as always. I am your host Jonah Hoffman, and alongside me, my colleague and partner in crime, Ryan Rogers. Ryan, you went to the game last night. I obviously stayed home, watched it on ESPN. Heard Joe and Troy for the first time of the year, and uh, I honestly was happy to hear their voices. But kind of tell me what you noticed last night at the game. Maybe some things that I didn't see on TV that you might have saw live and in person. Like yeah. Like like I like to tell everybody. Um, I'm actually glad you watched the game and I was in the stadium because we got those two different perspectives. And I the only seats available were a bit up in the nosebleeds, so I you know had a whole view of the field. But the atmosphere was absolutely insane last night. I have been to at least 20 Seahawks games. Been to a game every year since 2009, besides the COVID season. And I've never heard it even close to that loud. It was it was so loud that the Broncos' first offensive drive with us on defense, it was actually hurting my ears to to <laughs> be there. And um, yeah, it was it was a one of a kind experience. Um, the closest I could put it to was that game against the 49ers uh, a couple seasons ago, where Marshawn came back and the ovation that he got. That's but, funny uh, you say that because Quandre Diggs actually compared. That that was the loudest game Quandre had played in, and he said that this one was louder. Oh, it was definitely much so. louder. But like that's that's the closest one I could uh, compare it to, and it really kind of reminded me of the 2013 NFC Championship, <clears throat> or maybe 2005 Seahawks years, where the crowd had that much of an impact because they definitely did. There was a play where Denver actually scored on one of their red zone trips. But we caused a false start right before they ran the play, so they had to bring it back. And mm-hmm. man, you 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 take out that false start, and we're having a totally different conversation today. But um, we'll get it more into the details later on of the game and what we observed. But this has got to be up up there, top ten Pete Carroll wins of all time. In, oh yeah, in all seriousness, because. He coached the hell out of these guys leading up into the game. There were some in-game decisions I was a little disturbed by, but I don't think anyone is feeling better today than than Pete Carroll, and I also don't think anyone's feeling dumber today than Nathaniel Hackett. Um, Let's just get into it. Why the hell are you kicking a 64-yard field goal instead of going for it on fourth and four? Well, there's a lot five. There's a lot of things I have uh, an issue with as far as that decision goes. And number one, I mean, you bring Russell Wilson in, you pay him all this money, you trade all these players to get Russell Wilson, and then you take the ball out of his hands to do something that has only been done twice in the NFL in the NFL's history. And on top of that, Seattle Stadium, you know, Lumen Century Link, whatever you want to call it. No one has ever made a field goal longer than 57 yards in that stadium. And people are like. The percentage of success kicking over 50 yards in that stadium is very low. It's a hard stadium to kick in. And, well, not to mention, Brandon McManus has never kicked a 64-yard field goal. So, uh, oh, yeah, I feel confident from the 64-yard. Like, if you're Russell Wilson or Nathaniel Hackett, I'm saying, fuck that. We're not doing that. I'm going for it on fourth and five. Yeah, and it's just so funny, too, because uh, obviously I listen to a lot of... uh, Seahawk radio and Tyler Columbus, uh, oh, Denver, I remember him, De- a Denver radio guy. 
Oh yeah. I mean, he, uh, he hand selected the Denver Broncos probably for that reason. You know, who's the most powerful person in the building right now? There's no question. It's Russell Wilson. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett answers to Russell Wilson, not the other way around. If you're Russell Wilson, you're saying, give me the ball. I, I we're going for it. And with a rookie coach like that, yeah, you should be answering to your franchise quarterback that you yeah. just brought in and traded all this capital for. I, I, I'm just baffled by the decision, and I'm baffled that Russell was so on board. Well, I'm not well, baffled by that because Russell's a phony, but I could see I was surprised that Russell was okay with not going for it. And on, also, wh- why didn't he call a timeout? They got they they ran that play on like 3rd and 14 and got 9 yards, which was annoying because we had a chance to bring them in like 4th and 10 situation. Yeah. We missed a tackle. I know Dude, Javante Williams is a hard guy to tackle. He's uh, he's re- one of their best play. I told you he was. He seriously, because I mean, I can get on our defenders for missing tackles, but his lateral ability to cut left and right on a dime, it was impressive to see in person. But um, anywho, on that play, I'm thinking, all right, they're gonna you know call a timeout right now or just immediately do a play or something. They walk up to the line of scrimmage and let like 30 seconds run off the clock mm-hmm. before someone called a timeout. And uh, it's funny. I, I I saw this replay from the Manning cast. And yeah, I saw that Hayden too. And Eli with Bucky. And, yeah. Uh, or not Bucky. Uh, uh, Shannon sorry, Sharp. Shannon. I don't know why I confuse those two sometimes. But um, anyways, they're all like, all right, call timeout, call timeout. Let's talk about this. And then as it as the sequence goes on, they all look totally flabbergasted at what they just saw. Cause <laughs> I mean, 70,000 people in the stands are thinking, okay, they're going to call a timeout here. Pete Carroll said, I can't believe they didn't go for it. Like it was just, I mean, I'm glad they did it. Thanks Hackett. <laughs> We're one to know in a game that, you know, yeah, I think we played well enough to win, but I'm sure as hell going to go out and say, we are lucky to be one to know because we could not stop those quick plays to running backs the whole second half. I mean, yeah. every every time they dumped it off to uh, Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams, it they got like seven yards. It was really maddening to watch. Um, but as far as the chess match of the game is concerned, I feel like Seattle was playing to stop the deep ball and really selling out to stop the deep ball, which is the right move. And uh, a lot can be said about Wilson's game, but he was much more willing to take the short passes than I was anticipating. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think he's through for like 340 yards or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It was So I, I do expect Denver to be a good team this year. I think Broncos, they are a talented team. Um, Judy on that touchdown was actually a bit of an underthrow, um, but mm-hmm. that, that was all Judy there. Uh, he's He really put the jukes on Kobe Bryant, who I expect to bounce back. He's a rookie, but... Um, yeah, seeing Kobe Bryant give up a play like that, and even Tariq Woolen with those two pass interference plays, th- those didn't really surprise me. Those are going to happen. You're going to have growing pains with rookie yeah. corners like that. And corners the hardest position to play in football, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, let's go to the offensive side of the ball. I wrote a couple notes here about Geno Smith. And first of all, talk about some Genos yeah. lighting up the Seattle world. We got... Quick round of applause for Gino's performance last night. I shat on him for six months. I'm sorry, Gino. You're the man today. Well, and uh, Gino Suarez, Eugenio Suarez on the Mariners. Oh, yeah. The walk-off home run on Saturday. I mean, 
unbelievable. We can get Crazy to that later. Crazy couple days for Seattle fans, for sure. Yeah, the Genos are really lighting it up for us. But uh, anyway, back to Geno Smith. First of all, I owe him a huge apology. <laughs> I was the one that was get me off of this Geno train. I want nothing to do with the guy. And it's just so funny how if you win, people throw all that out the window. Yeah. and Winning's the cure for everything. It really is. But um, let's go with Geno's first half stats. 17 of 18 in the first half. Those are some eye-popping numbers. Like, And he looked like his vision downfield was incredible. The play where he stepped up in the pocket and threw it to Will Disley. Blitz, Homer, picked it up briefly, and Smith flips, wide open, caught, Disley, touchdown, what a start. And got that, that touchdown. Awesome. That looked like a Wilson in his prime type of play. And that really set the tone for how the whole game was going to go, because you could. there was a feeling in that stadium last night of, we got a fucking chance at this. No one has given us a shot all summer. As soon as the schedule came out, they've been chalking this up as an easy dub for Denver. That play right there made me believe. And I yeah. think it made 70,000 other people believe and all the Seahawks players as well. And Steve Young before the game, you know how he likes to do the Monday night um, oh, yeah. pick him before the game. He was like, oh, they have no chance. <laughs> and so, of course, we... I've always kind of hated Steve Young's... Uh, analytics me too for that reason um but uh yeah anyways uh and 17 of 18 in the first half and then 23 of 28 for 195 two touchdowns no turnovers yeah that's the key there the only mistakes i can say gino made were uh that third down throw on you remember when we went for it on fourth and inches and didn't get it mm -hmm. the play before that he had will disley wide open in the end zone and didn't yeah. see him um, beyond that, maybe he could step up into the pocket and avoid one of those sacks. But those are two pretty small nip picks on an otherwise flawless night for the guy. And um, if he pl keeps playing like that this season, you know, I don't know how many games we're going to win, but we're going to be in a lot of them at the end in the fourth quarter if Gino keeps playing that way. So hats well, off to Gino. <laughs> I I joined in several Gino Gino chants last night. Nice. It, it was fun. Well, you know, Gino, he, he got written off, but he didn't write back. So <laughs> I guess that was the key in that one. I kind of want to get a T-shirt that says that. <laughs> <laughs> With just Gino's face, like, huge in the center. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, the passing game was great. Uh, as far as the run game, you know, we didn't really have nothing. Cr we didn't have anything too crazy. But Rashad Penny, 60 yards on 12 carries. That's Not five yards that. a carry. I mean, he had a couple of big runs that. get called back from holding penalties, too. And I, I didn't really see the replay. The Abe Lucas holding call was I've heard it was garbage. It was non-existent. And you think about it. They don't call They don't throw that flag there. We might have comfortably won the game because I think we were up 17 to 13 at that point, And mm -hmm. that was going to put us on Denver's side of the field. Yeah, um, I did notice uh, Charles Cross get beat a couple times. There was even that one sack where he, got he basically uh, caught a reception yeah. for a loss of <laughs> six or whatever it was. But well, You know what I liked about that play? A, he caught the ball, and B, he got up and immediately tapped like, that was my bad. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, you know, like t two rookie tackles to go out there and very minimal bed shitting to happen, mm -hmm. I'm really impressed because a lot of plays last night – Gino could have made a pot of tea back there. He had so much time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And uh, 
I'm just, I'm overall, I got a sense of watching that game last night that I, you really get to see how Denver really has been overrated this whole offseason because really I thought we looked like the stronger team for most of the game. Yeah, we had First those. First half especially. We yeah. had those two key turnovers that Denver had on the goal line, but I mean. We also dropped two picks. We, Russell could have had two picks and no touchdowns in the first mm-hmm. half in a different world. Yeah. So, I mean, I really, I felt like we had, I mean, we did have control of the game, the entire game. We never coughed up the lead. So yeah, that's true. We never trailed. So, I mean, yeah, I was very impressed with our offense defense. Um, obviously like we were saying miscues with the rookies and whatnot, but that's going to happen. Um, the defense had a very gutsy performance because Man, they were playing with emotion. The hitting was hard. Michael Jackson had a couple great plays. I mm-hmm. uh, haven't mentioned this guy's name a whole lot in the offseason, but Nuosu, the offseason yeah. char- signing for the Chargers, he had a hell of a game. He was in on both those fumbles on the goal line. Mm-hmm. He had a sack. He had a couple tackles for loss. He looks like one of the, you know, famous John uh, John Schneider signings in the future. Yeah. Um, so Seahawks, four yards per carry throughout the game, 5.2 yards for Denver. Russell only had one carry for two yards, which kind of, su- kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, I expected him to kind of get the ball rolling on the ground for himself just because when he was here, we always talked about, well, what was it? Was it Pete and the management not wanting him to run the ball? Was it Russell wanting to preserve his, you know, run game? And uh, I just, I thought that was kind of surprising that he only ran the ball once. I I thought that was surprising too. He did, I will say, watch, you know, we watched him avoid sacks for us for many years. He is still very shifty in the pocket. There was about four times where I thought he was dead to rights and he just whoop, ducks under it. Yep. Um, including, unfortunately, uh, the Jamal Adams play where he got hurt. You know, Jamal really was a factor on defense before that play. Um, I was excited to see how we were using him. It We totally had to change the defense once he got out, but um, unfortunately, it's looking like that might be all we see of Jamal this year, which is such a bummer. Yeah, uh, well, uh, I think it was a quadricep tendon that I read. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to have to have surgery. So yeah. it's probably... You just hate to see it, man. I, I feel so bad for Jamal. He last three seasons have ended with a season-ending injury. Yeah. yeah, you hate to see it. You feel bad for him, but it's also like we gave up so much for him and he's not able to get yeah. out on the field. It just sucks for everyone, really. Yeah, um, it's definitely going to go down as a horrible trade for the return we got back but i have always said jamal is an excellent player that we just overpaid for Mm -hmm. but anyways um yeah and then uh time possession denver uh 33 minutes 39 seconds to our 26 21 they had 64 plays we only had 49 i mean it didn't really feel like they led in time of possession just because it started to feel that way in the second half but that's only because, think of it like this. DK had that fumble, which, DK, dude, I thought you got over to this do too much. after your rookie season, man. I know you're super buff, super strong. You showed that off. He had a couple full-grown man catches mm-hmm. in that game where he had a guy all over him. But just get down. You're not going to score breaking 20 tackles. Yeah. Just get down. Um, but that killed a drive. We had that awful holding penalty that killed a drive. And we had the, the Geno sack which 
you know, kill that drive as well. Mm-hmm. And that was all we had in the second half. We only had three possessions, I'm pretty sure, besides the kneel down. So, uh, well, uh, and yeah, I guess that's true because they also had the two turnovers that they, I mean, they brought the ball all the way down to the one. And yeah. uh, I think it was what the four on one of them, or was it on the one on both? One of them was on the one. The other one, the ball was returned to the 10 yard line. Okay. So, but both inside the 10. Yeah. So, uh, another thing I wanted to talk about was the penalties. I was really surprised that we only had five penalties throughout the game to Denver's 12. And that right there, I mean, Nathaniel Hackett, I know he's a rookie coach, but tells me that there's some lack of discipline there. It was in a that Denver game. locker room. There was a lot of shit talking being had between players. I was surprised at how arrogant and kind of, uh, a lot of Denver players came in here with an agenda, it seemed like, because there were some extracurriculars. There was uh, that play, I think it was to, it might have even just been Travis Homer or DJ Dallas, but the Denver guy tackles him, gets up, like kind of hangs his nuts over him for a second and like taunts him. So they got mm-hmm. a taunting penalty. I was just like, you're a douche and an idiot. Thanks for the first down. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it it was it was quite a chippy game. Um, the refs, you know, they were the refs. There was a few calls on both teams, frankly, that I was like, mm, "That's garbage." But overall, nothing that you look at and be like, "Oh, that penalty changed the game." Yeah, for the most part, uh, I think Tariq Woolen had a really good game actually because there was a few plays where he ran with Jerry Judy down the sidelines, stride for stride, and Wilson's looking and looking at him. He wanted to throw deep over Tariq Woolen all night, and it just wasn't there. He looked like a veteran mm-hmm. on, on Monday night. Um, he's still got a lot to learn, but, like, For sure. man, if he looks that good week one as a rookie, the sky's the limit with that kid. So I, I've just got to say that's already looking like one of the best draft picks of the last five years, frankly. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you want to keep going on this game, but we've – got san francisco next week what are you what are you kind of predicting that's going to go down in that week because they just lost to chicago of course we always get the team that loses the previous yeah yeah so but i will say i mean i know they had to play in pretty terrible conditions but i didn't really think much of trey lance no i didn't either and the stats were ugly and the film was equally as ugly um the talent is clearly there with trey lance he had a throw uh on to the left sideline between like three defenders that was really impressive because it was about a 30 35 yard ball and it had to be on a line and he hit it but um i don't think the processing is there yet i mean the kid's like 21 or 22 i'm pretty sure and um also san francisco i this i felt the same way about them last year and granted they ended up in the nfc championship but when I watch them play, I'm just very underwhelmed is the word. I don't get why people keep putting them in the top five every offseason. I think it's because of their front seven. They got a good D-line and they got good linebackers, Fred Warner. True. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's why. But, again, I don't think – I mean, they don't scare me, uh, no. especially after what I saw especially from Gino last Trey night. Lance, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm just like – Wow, I think we could. I think Gino could go toe to toe with that offense. And I think next week. I mean, there's these factors are not in our favor. A, we just had an incredibly emotional game, and we're on a short week. And going on the road to their home opener, we're playing a opponent that just had a pretty embarrassing loss on the yep. road. Um, that's not good. But 
you know, Trey Lance is going to have to play a hell of a lot better than he did last week. And Russell Wilson is a hell of a lot better of a quarterback at this point in their careers than Trey Lance. And I'm not going to say we, you know, destroyed him because we didn't. He put up good numbers against us, but uh, we tightened up in the red zone and we're Mm going to need to do that again. And um, we didn't get too many opportunities for picks, but I think we will this week. Um, Trey Lance doesn't have that accuracy uh, or the experience. And Pete Carroll is uh, notorious for doing very well against younger quarterbacks. So if we can contain their run game, I really like our chances to start 2-0, and which, man, did you see that coming? <laughs> no, and uh, speaking of their run game, uh, Elijah Mitchell out for two months. So oh, wow. they're going to have to uh, rely on some other guys that aren't they're not a- normally accustomed to relying on, especially Trey Lance. I mean... He's played one game, and I think I can't remember what the numbers were, but I think he had only played like fourteen college games, like yeah. total. Well, he and only then he went to the a NFL too. He was drafted. So it's when like he, he was twenty, wasn't he? Something like that. Yeah. yeah, he's very young. He's one of the youngest players in the NFL still. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> man, like if he doesn't really improve and become something. The 49ers giving up two first for him is that's going to look really ugly down yeah. the line i mean we'll we'll see he's he's so young you can't really say much but the results so far have not been great well i think teams when they lose a super bowl get really desperate with trying to make changes remember when we jimmy graham yep remember when we traded for jimmy they their jimmy effect they lost the super bowl jimmy garoppolo and now they're like fuck we need to make a big move we need to get our franchise quarterback someone that we know can win in, uh, the, in the big moment and they went with a guy that played one year of college D2 yeah. football. Like, good management, John Lynch, you moron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think he went to the same college as Carson Wentz. He did. So he went to maybe, North Dakota State. Maybe they were looking at that track record. Like, that could be something. But you <laughs> yeah, know what I have but, to say? Um, I don't think that on paper, you know, Gino is a better quarterback than Russell Wilson at all. Um, don't get me wrong, but I think the biggest plus to moving on from Wilson and Wagner, frankly, is we are finally over the mindset of, oh, we got to get back to the Super Bowl with our guys. Because I think the Seahawks were kind of in that mode since 2015. Every year felt like, oh, we're going to get back there this year. Now it's truly a fresh start. You know, a quarter of our starters last night weren't even on the team last mm-hmm. year. We started, I think, four rookies, or at least four or five had significant playing time. This is a young team, and um, they look hungry, they look motivated, and it's just, it's new. It's all new and refreshing. You can really feel it. Um, Let's talk about our acquisitions from offseason for a minute, because there was a lot of first-year Seahawks last year making plays, and one of them I want to talk about is... um, the defensive lineman we traded for. I can't remember his name. Uh, Shelby Harris. Shelby Harris, yes, yeah. thank you. Uh, he had a hilarious post-game interview, by the way. Uh, did you see that? When he talked about us being loud? Um, That's he, what I listened to. He, I heard He mentioned him. that. He was talking about the environment and everything, and uh, they were like, any closing thoughts? And he's like, all I got to say is, let's ride, and then walked away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did There was that. a lot yeah. of shade being thrown around last night. Uh, good especially on twitter uh yeah. doug baldwin posted a pretty funny meme sherman was posting some i want to i want to actually get to that um so 
I heard an interesting theory about um, psychological games that coaches like to play. Pete Carroll, I want to know how much he had to do with bringing in all those uh, former players. I think there might have been some collusion there, yeah. And seeing a lot of them on the Jumbotron, because I heard uh, just from reports this morning on some stuff I was listening to that they had, they were showing like Doug Baldwin, Marshawn, Sherm, all these old Seahawk guys, uh, Ring of Honor type players, and then yeah. it would go, it would cut to Russ, like right after that, and it, I just thought and that that was erupted in booze whenever he was on the jumbo. It was actually shocking how loud the booze were. Yeah, I, I mean, I was expecting booze for sure because we want to win. We're all there to win. But I think there's a good chunk of the Seattle fan base that gen- genuinely has animosity towards Wilson, which personally I don't get it. I mean, yeah, he's corny and, you know, like a little disingenuous, but the impact he had for this city is real. The championship we won with him is real. Um, I still have respect for Wilson. I was, you know, obviously he was public enemy number one last night. Mm -hmm. But now that it's over, um, I hope Denver does bad this year so we get a good pick. But, you know, after this year, I'll be rooting for him to have a good rest of his career. Uh, but I think I'm actually possibly in the minority in that camp because uh, talking to some fans last night, there seems to be some genuine hate for the guy. Yeah, which I, is just puzzling to me. But what's your take? I think I'm on the opposite end uh, of you. I have no like I don't wish him the best. I don't want him to ever win another Super Bowl. He he I saw Colin Cowherd take this morning how Seattle should not be booing what Russ he's made us relevant the past decade and Colin Cowherd's a Northwest guy. So I'm surprised to be hearing that from him, but he's also a Wilson nut writer for sure. He is. He is. And he, he brought up the fact that, uh, or he brought up Alex Rodriguez and I'm just thinking, Colin, we booed the hell out of him for the remainder of his career. I remember being at Mariners games years after the Alex Rodriguez, you know, change and people booed the hell out of him. And I'm even willing to go out on a limb and say A-Rod deserved to be less booed than Wilson because Wilson forced his way out and wanted to go somewhere where he had total control and as far as going to Denver. A-Rod just took a contract that no one had ever been given before. Yeah. Like, he signed a $30 million a year contract in, like, 2002. Yeah, that's, that's insane. That's crazy. So, I mean, I I can't believe I'm saying it, but I, yeah, I almost blame A-Rod. I, I don't blame him as much as I do Wilson. And, look, I'm not saying that Wilson... I, I don't know what happened behind closed doors, but... It sounds like from all the reports and speculation that Wilson was over being here and he was and for sure. I I don't know. I there there's a lot of things that could be said, but I think it was best for all parties involved for him to move on. So that's kind of the reason why I'm not even upset is I'm just like it makes sense for him. It makes sense for us. We got a hell of a return for him. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm I'm happy. I, I am just bummed for uh, like I guess optics wise how this all turned out because I never would have wanted Wilson to be like a hated Seattle figure you know for especially early in his career what he meant to this city um ever since 2020 I think things have been different but um yeah I mean he he did help put us on the map um so did a legend legendary defense and run game but it was all 
part of that super team that mm-hmm. won won the big game. Um, but I definitely think Pete was embracing the boo. I think Pete was embracing win by any means necessary. The only thing the crowd can do to impact the game is try to make Wilson feel uncomfortable. What would he want us to make it a cakewalk for him? No, you're here in our stadium. We want to win. Um, We're going to boo you. So if the people that are like, oh, CL fans are shameful, shut the fuck up. It's football. Yeah. Nobody threw anything at him. Nobody did had any super disrespectful signs. You know, there was the 12 greater than three. I don't know if they were showing that on the TV, but lots of people had a sign that said 12 greater than three, which was yeah. kind of cool. But um, yeah, no, it's it's you play to win. I think Pete said it best. You're either competing or you're not. And that includes the crowd. Well, Pete Carroll's so funny, too. He's never going to give any sort of media member uh, or the fans anything that we might feel is um, taken into account in the game as far as Pete Carroll wanting this game more than any other game. Oh, he's he's never going to admit that. Yeah, yeah, he will never admit that. He thinks everything is a championship opportunity by every game we play. And uh, I can't remember what he said. We can probably pull the clip up. You know, I, I don't feel like that. No, I don't feel like that. Um, I'm, I'm just glad we won a football game, you know? I, I don't feel like validation I wasn't after, after that. You all might think I should have been, <laughs> but uh, with all that's been talked about and all that, but uh, really. I, I could tell on his reaction, especially with the fumble when he's jumping up and down, like this game it meant, a meant lot. more to him than others. And I I would love to uh, hear some sort of audio recording for how the locker room sound was after this game Mm -hmm. on the Seahawks locker room. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, Pete says that about every game, but this time, I don't buy it. I think this was deeply personal. Uh, Oh, yeah. Well, and you got to think, too, this this will affect Pete's legacy. If we had lost the game and, let's say, Denver wins 12 games this year and they're a one seed or a two seed or they have an easier path to the playoffs and they get there uh, to the Super Bowl... Mm That's going to look bad on Pete, like really bad, like think, fireable offense bad. I think this was the best win for Pete's legacy in God, how long? I mean, when's the last time? I know we've won some playoff games against bad teams and we've had some crazy regular season wins. The one against the 49ers in 2019 comes to mind, the crazy overtime game. But I think this is as good a win for Pete's legacy since 2014. I was going to say since... Uh, since we won the Super Bowl, because yeah. if you think about it, we it there's kind of there's been some bad the... juju. I feel like for the Seahawks franchise, just in general, since we lost that game to the Patriots, like yeah. we, which was a long time ago now, but still, like you were saying earlier, Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson, now that they're gone, it doesn't feel like we need to, we don't have this Super Bowl dark cloud yeah. over our head anymore. We it can finally like... move on with new faces, new attitudes, new personalities on our team that we probably were held back from when we still had Bobby and Russell leading the charge because they we're probably pretty scarred from losing that Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. I still am as a fan. Yeah. Probably I, we'll never get over I, it until I we win another one. I don't want to see that play again, but we have to see it every fucking primetime game for some reason. Yeah. So, yeah, I there's no way. I think that play in that Super Bowl really broke up what could have been the greatest dynasty of the 2010s. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it just is what it is. And I also do think it's not a coincidence that all those players wanted to show up last night um, because half of them were people that had problems with Russ. I've never really understood the Doug-Russ dynamic because their on-field chemistry was otherworldly. They had a like brain-to-brain connection as football players. But it's it just seems like as people they didn't get along, which is kind of weird. It's weird how that can happen. It's almost mm-hmm. like you have a coworker you work really well with, but you just don't like him. I don't know. It's it's a strange one. I'd I'd love to have Doug on the podcast someday to explain his uh his feelings, but I doubt that ever will happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, give him a call. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get him on here. Yeah, I'd, man, I'd love to have any former Seahawk or current Seahawk on this someday if if we can make it happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be a treat. But anywho, um, so looking forward to this week, we got the 49ers. Um, I think we went over that a little bit, but what what do you think the chances are? What, what's your prediction? You know, I initially, when we did our um, pregame or preseason picks, uh, and I think I had them going eight and nine or something like that. I had them losing this game, but I mean, I had them beating Denver but I even admitted that I wanted to change my pick to Denver winning. But <laughs> after, the after seeing, I yeah, it didn't I, look good. I I I was really impressed with Gino's play last night. But I'm to be honest with you, I'm going to need to see more consistency from Gino. Like we're going to need to see that type of play again next week for me we to really be on all aboard the Gino train. And I think it's possible it could happen, but we're going to have to. Uh, guys like Nick Bosa really worry me. Like someone that is going to, up against our rookie tackles, we're going to need yeah, to shut that down. I think we down. need to run the ball better than we did last year. Yeah, night. I agree. And I don't know what Kenneth Walker's timeline is, how long Pete he's... Pete said he's playing today. Oh, okay. I mean, we'll say, yeah, I feel like Pete's injury updates are useless because he's always overly optimistic. But, um, I mean, he was a game-time decision yesterday, so... Mm-hmm. You got to think he's going to be close, and we need him because, um, man, I, dude, Dwayne Eskridge just doesn't seem like he's going to be a thing for us. He's being outsnapped by Marquise Goodwin, who looked like he still has some pretty good speed last night, mm-hmm. I will say. So I think that may end up being a valuable pickup. Um, but, yeah, if Kenneth Walker can um, bring something to the table, I, I really like our odds. Um, before we, get, we move on, though, a couple last notes for the game that I wanted to bring up. One, Shane Waldron called a hell of a game in that first half. Mm-hmm. We were using this weird formation where there was two running backs right next to Gino and then another one behind him. Did, mm-hmm. did you see those? Yeah. Uh, that was bizarre looking, but every time we used that formation, I'm not even sure what it's called, we had a pretty nicely designed play. Like There was, there was a lot of plays where our tight ends were just totally schemed open in that mm-hmm. first half. It was a beautiful first half of play calling. I... I didn't really like some of the conservative things we did in the second half as much, but um, if Shane can keep pulling tricks out of the bag like that, I really like our odds this season. Cause you know, half the game is talent, but the other half is scheme and execution. So mm-hmm. um, anyways, uh, another guy I wanted to call out because I have spent a lot of this summer not being very nice to him is Cody Barton. Mm-hmm. That tackle he made on first and 10, on it was either Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams on Denver's final drive where they lost like five yards. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't make that play, they're in field goal range for sure because there was a lot of green grass in front of him and that was a hell of a play. 
Cody Barton also, I think he let, I think he was second on the team in tackles. Oh, was he? I could, I could be wrong. Um, I can pull that stat up, but yeah, he was high up there on our defensive stats. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got impossibly large shoes to fill with Bobby, but, um, so far so good. It wasn't a perfect effort, but it was a solid game from the guy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the last person I wanted to talk about who we haven't talked about, uh, was just, well, we talked about him a little bit, but, uh, Charles cross. Yeah. Um, he had a tough game, but I think him and Abraham Lucas are seriously going to be pro bowl type players for us. Cause mm-hmm. that, that was a hell of a de- debut for them. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, well, and anytime, uh, I think it was the last time two rookie tackles have started in, uh, the same game was the 2009 Jaguars. Yeah. I heard that as well. So, I mean, it's, it's not, yeah, it's, it's not too common to have, uh, two first year players out there in two really important positions like that. And they, I think they gave up two the, the line gave up two sacks all game. Yes. Yeah. So I would say that's a win compared to, I mean, you look at teams like the Bengals, they gave up, I think what, like five sacks or seven sacks or yeah. whatever crazy thing it was. And Joe Burrow is I mean, he's already torn his ACL in the two years he's been in the league. And, yeah, he's been getting crushed. And they lost Bengals the line. Super Bowl because of their offensive line issues. So the fact that we could maybe potentially have our answer at O-line figured out, and who knows, maybe we even figured out our quarterback issue with Geno. I can't believe I'm saying that because I've always thought Geno was bottom barrel, <laughs> like in the 40s type of quarterback play. Um he looked great. So. Yeah, and the center we picked up from the Chiefs, I can't remember his name right now, but he had a great hustle play picking up a Rashad Penny fumble in mm-hmm. the first quarter and generally just held up well. Um, he did a lot better than expected. Yeah. So uh, we still need a long-term option at center, but we have young guys with talent on the line, and I can't think of a team the Seahawks have fielded with that in a long time, 2013, and even then they was half veterans. So, uh the future is definitely bright at that position group. Yep. Do you have any uh, Mariners thoughts before we close out here? Uh, well, the Mariners play the Padres today. Uh, they swept them in two games earlier in the year. This is uh, also a two-game series. They're currently leading. Well, actually, no. They're tied with the Blue Jays as of right now. I think they're both 79 and 61. Aren't the Blue Jays playing the other team? They're playing the Rays in a doubleheader today. That's right. Which is exactly what we need. Hopefully they just Um, split the series. Yeah, uh, because they play again tomorrow. So if they can both go two and two. We are really looking... Things are looking really bright, though, because the Baltimore Orioles have lost two straight. Nice. They're they were the only one I was worried about. They're five and a half games uh, behind the Rays, and the Rays are in third place of the wild card. So uh, I I have high hopes for our season, you know, our schedule. We don't really play um, very competitive teams, if at all. Uh, the last team we play that has a winning record is the san diego padres two game series and then we play the angels the a's the royals rangers a's again tigers all of them have losing records so i fully expect us to win with a 
end the season on a winning record from here on out. Well, and it seems like even if they go just slightly over 500 the rest of the way, they're very likely to still make the playoffs. So, yeah, um, I really like the Mariners chances this year. I just until they have a spot clinched, I don't want to say it's, you know, we got it because we've been here before, but it looks very good for them this year. And the fact that they were able, they won the series against the Braves, right? Yeah. Two one. Yeah. That they're the defending champs, aren't they? Mm -hmm. So they could take it all the way this year. The only team, honestly, that, well, okay. The two teams that scare me, but one of the teams who would have to make the world series for them to even like us to have a chance, the Dodgers, they're, they're ridiculous they're like the modern or the early 2000 yankees with all the players they have and they've signed um but the astros they're the only thorn God, in our side the they're, astros the, i feel like the uh mariners astros rivalry is like the seahawks niners rivalry. that's what i was gonna bring except up. we're the niners like <laughs> we have been getting smacked by them like for years now but i expect the turn I expect the tables to have turned or the turntables, as Michael <laughs> Scott would say. Um, I just, yeah, I'm, we're just the, the little brother to them that can't figure out how to, you know, get over that hump and beat them. But God, if the playoffs roll around and we find ourselves in an AL ALCS against them, I really like our chances. I think we could be that Cinderella team that could get hot. So really it's, a lot can happen. It's yeah. there's a lot of uncertainty moving forward, but I, like I said, really like our chances with our pitching and our uh, lineup, and really our bullpen. The way it's been playing has been, you know, phenomenal. So, looking forward to seeing what we can do in October. Yeah, we we are in a new era in Seattle sports, and it's an exciting time to be a sports fan. I think. Yeah, agreed. So, agreed. The future is bright. Well, that's all I had for this one, Jonah. Any, uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, no, just other than go Hawks, let's ride. And yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully we can get Trey Lance to turn the ball over a couple times next week. Oh, yes. All right, we'll catch you next time on the JR Takes Podcast. I am Ryan Rogers signing out. Yep, Jonah Hoffman. Thanks for listening.